nationwide. 1-800-636-8686. Also in Canada, but right now we are joined by a draft analyst for NFL Media. He is also co-host of the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah. He was a second-round draft pick in the 1994 draft of the Buffalo Bills. He played five years in the NFL. NFL Network has over 50 hours of coverage of the NFL Scouting Combine this week. Live coverage of the on-field drills continuing today at 3 p.m. Eastern. Bucky Brooks joins us. Bucky, it's always great to talk to you. Thanks for making time. Bucky, how you living? Man, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on, bro. It's always good to have you on. Thanks. Appreciate you doing it. You know what? Let me start with the quarterbacks only because, well, they're quarterbacks. But Caleb Williams, Bucky, said that he, we know he probably will be the first one off the board, but he's not going to participate in medical testing at the Combine. I mean, I'm not trying to make a thing out of that, but I mean, is he that much of a lock? Is he that far ahead of everybody else that he doesn't have to do that? Uh, I can't say he's that, that much ahead of everybody, but I, I think it really depends on is he that far ahead of everybody on Chicago Chicago's board. The one thing that Caleb Williams has the luxury of is kind of knowing that he will be the number one overall pick and so that gives you the, the, the leeway to do some of the things that he's doing in terms of not working out, electing not to take you know, the medical testing and those things. There's been a buzz in the past about players. You know, they kind of give of themselves up here. You know, they work out without kind of protections in terms of insurance. They do all this medical stuff and kind of open up their, their life and their bodies and their, their, their health situation to these teams without any guarantee of anything coming back to them. And so it's a bit of a non-traditional approach, um, but it's one where he has kind of the leverage and the sway to be able to take that stand. Right. I think it's really interesting what you just said. So is that a Caleb Williams thing, or do you think that might be changing and we might see more of that going forward, or is it just a matter of whether or not you have that kind of leverage? No, I think it's, it's a thing that is that may be a bigger issue going forward. Because remember, uh, I think DeMaris Smith used to talk about the combine, and I think he almost would be – kind of discouraging guys to work out and do all of the testing and all of the other stuff that, you know, teams have, have always taken prospects through because you got to remember some of these guys won't get drafted. They're doing a lot of stuff and they kind of assume all of the risks when it comes to working out at their pro days, working out at Indy. If something goes awry, um, unless they have their own provided insurance, like they're, they're kind of up against it. So there has been kind of like this little conversation where people are saying, well, why are prospects? given of themselves, you've seen them play the game. Why do you need all of this other stuff to help you make the decisions on whether you whether a player to join your team or not? Right, Bucky, like that one argument that used to be made that I always thought was kind of funny but probably true. You know, these guys, the teams, before they invest this kind of money, they want to know what they're getting medically. So they're pulling and they're tugging and they're, you know, I mean, they're doing everything they can to make, these, to make sure they're getting a sound investment. I would have players say, man, I wasn't hurt before I got there, but after three days of every doctor doing what they did to me, I probably am hurt now. <laughs> no, it's funny. So going back to that, like, quickly, uh, you talked about all the other stuff, the, the, the testing and the, the poking and prodding and those things. But I do remember it because I found it here online. DeMar Smith did share a desire to abolish the combine and put on regional pro days that were put on by the PA. And he, he did that because he compared uh, the combine to a slave auction where all those things were, you know, the bodies are just kind of trotted in. They kind of do all the testing. And, you know, like there's an inhumane feeling to some portions of the combine. That was his point. And so there has been those conversations, and maybe I'm not saying that Caleb Williams is picking up the torch to carry that, um, I guess, that, that, that debate on, 
But there's something interesting to when a prospect takes a stand and says, yeah, I don't need to do this. Like, either you pick me or you don't, but I'm good. But also remember this. Caleb Williams made a lot of money in NIL, you know, and so with the money that you may have behind you comes the freedom to maybe take some stands that others couldn't. Maybe this is like one of the first, I would say, long-term impacts of NIL and how it's impacted not only college, impacting prospects as they begin to think about their NFL futures. You know, it's it's funny. We're talking about this just kind of generically without getting into any of the other guys, but it's so interesting. Really quickly, about the NIL, there's been different reports. How much do you think he made the last couple of years in NIL money? Do you have any idea? I don't have any idea. Now, I've read the reports because I know some reports had it upwards of $12 million that he might have made from six different sponsorships and those things. That seems like a lot, but I don't, I don't know. I did know that people have talked about he had a posh little apartment in Beverly Hills that he didn't lack for anything when it came to money and, and rightfully so he was a Heisman Trophy winner he's playing on a big stage we all know USC and LA and when you're a star at SC it's like being a star uh, in an NFL uh, for an NFL team in most NFL cities maybe he did make a ton of money and with that money does come a lot of freedom and independence uh, to kind of dance to the beat of your own drum. You beat, you bet, Bucky Brooks joining us. Bucky, what about the quarterbacks right beneath him? You got Drake May, you got Jaden Daniels, also projected as top five picks, or seem to be, before people start to poke holes in May's game and tape. How much separation do you have between those two in your evaluation? Which do you prefer? So right now I have Jaden Daniels over top of Drake May. I would say they're close. Uh, the difference in Drake May and Daniels and Williams he didn't have the season that those guys had. Um, by all accounts, his 2022 was unbelievable. He's one of six players in college football history to have 4,000 passing yards, 35 touchdowns, 600 rushing yards, and seven rush TDs. The only other guys to do that were Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Marcus Mariota. Those were the guys that we're talking about that he was in that conversation. Last year, he didn't have that kind of season. And so people are just a little down on him because he doesn't have a signature game. He was a little erratic when it came to, like, some of the playmaking and decisions that he's made. But I think people need to understand, he didn't play two years of, co- he didn't play two years of ball. He missed his senior year of high school due to COVID. He was a backup behind Sam Howell as a freshman. And then he played the last two seasons. His best football is down the road because he's just getting back to playing football. It's a difference than what Jaden Daniels did in playing 55 career starts, five years in college, seeing the number of different situations and things that he's seen as a fifth-year player. That's different. And he played really well this year, obviously winning the Heisman Trophy. The difference is he's a dual threat that really popped as an A-plus thrower and runner. That's really the separation between Daniels and May. But I would say it's not a big separation between the two. Bucky Brooks joining us. Bucky, before you go, what about J.J. McCarthy, who is kind of an enigma in the sense that, I mean, he's a winner to be sure. We know that. But he wasn't asked to do nearly as much as some of the other guys we're talking about right now. So how do you project him on the next level? What's your evaluation of him? I really like him. I really like him because in a day and time where like four- and five-star quarterbacks do not go to programs that are run-first programs. He decided to go to Michigan because he wanted to play for Jim Harbaugh. He decided to go all in to win. And his look, his, his calling card, his selling card is, we want a lot of games with me at the quarterback. So whoever you are as a team, when you look at that, look, this is a guy that already understands the, the sacrifice that might be needed to win games at a high level. It doesn't have to be about him. It can be about the team. 
when you look at the tape, the tape suggests that he has all the tools that you look for. Big-time arm talent, great athlete, IQ, intangibles, leadership ability. He has all of that. He just has a small sample size of kind of being the guy that puts the offense on his back. Just because we haven't seen it or haven't seen a lot of it doesn't mean that he can't do it. The run-up to the draft will be an opportunity for him to sell and convince teams that he can do it. But I also think he might be the quarterback and that, that is best suited to do the Jordan Love route, maybe sit for a year or two, kind of let the game kind of develop on the practice field and then allow him to be a starting quarterback. That might be the best situation for J.J. McCarthy, and really maybe even Drake May, too. Hmm. So finally, what about the fact that we know it's a passing league, so we know how critical it is to get to the quarterback. How deep, then, is this draft at the critical position of edge rusher? So it doesn't feature a star like a Miles Garrett, where you can say, hey, this guy is going to come in the league and take, come to the league and take the league by storm. But there's some really good guys at the top of the board. So Dallas Turner from Alabama is in the conversation. Layatu Latu from UCLA is in the conversation. Jared Verse from Florida State. Those are the top three. And stylistically, it depends on if you want a power rusher like Turner, you want a speed and explosive runner with polish like Latu, or a guy that's really an explosive get-off player like Verse. Any of those guys can come. That's why I would expect them to come off the board really quickly. And then the guy that jumps into the conversation, not quite with them, but after a big combine and, I would say, impressive flashes, Chop Robinson from Penn State started the combine when he ran 4-4-8. You then look at his tape and see the explosiveness and the traits. There's some team that's going to gamble on his traits and upside just because it's rare to find an athlete uh, with that kind of uh, – tool and prototypical dimensions. Man, the big man was moving. He was moving yesterday. NFL Network's got over 50 hours of coverage of the NFL Scouting Combine this week. Live coverage of the on-field drills continue at 3 p.m. Eastern today. Bucky Brooks, draft analyst, breaking it all down for us. Bucky, really appreciate you. Great job as always. And always good to have you on the show, Bucky. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Mark. Good talking to you, dude, always. Love Bucky, love DJ both. These two dudes are so good. All right, so that's a good look at the quarterbacks and some of the others. Scouting Combine continuing from Indy.